This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys, welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast, Every Step Along The Way. So this week we'll discuss the games versus Blackpool and Barnsley, discuss the upcoming game versus Peterborough, and as always, look ahead to the key news from around the club this week. Okay, and let's get this shower on the road. So, um... I guess I best to introduce the, the, the two legends that have, have joined me tonight. Um, Andy, your legend number one. Dan's been relegated. How How's your uh, day and week and year been, mate? <laughs> day, week and year so far has been all right, except for, you know, Stoke City results. But there's not much we can really do about it. And otherwise, I'm pretty happy. And how's your uh, training going, your lifeguarding? You must have settled in by now. Yeah, I've passed all of that. I've just got my HR induction tomorrow and then we're sorted. So you can remember how to swim, yeah? Yeah, I can remember how to swim, don't you worry. Brilliant, lovely, good. Um, and obviously uh, the the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mr. Daniel, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I am good as always, ignoring good. the the poor results that are coming our way from the Potters and, uh, yes, ploughing on through positivity. Yeah, I was going to say, mate, it's a good job we're, we're recording this now midweek rather than co- uh, recording this after the literally after the Blackpool or Barnsley games. Um, yeah, I don't think any of us could have stood that, quite frankly, could we? Um, yeah, so we I've been thinking about how we kind of cobble these two games, um, to be honest with you, without literally making everyone want to jump out of a window, but um, I think we'll kind of cover them both off, both off at the same time. Now, I'll give you my thoughts first, and, and guys, feel free to, to kind of jump in because I've made a hell of a lot of notes on this. I've been really thinking about different things during the day. Uh, you can tell work was busy, can't you? Proper punditry. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You just just call me Gary Neville, and, and I've done, I think. <laughs> or Michael Richards, mate, either. <laughs> oh, Richards is brilliant. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I've seen mixed opinions on, on these. I think most people would agree, though. Uh, Baker Allen and time and I think were were definitely the highlights, especially in, in, in the Barnsley game. Um time and quite clearly is our main outlet at the minute. Um I did see Magic getting a few uh mixed reviews. A lot of people slating him saying he's an absolute waste of space, which considering the guys barely touched the ball since he came and played for us, uh, I think that's a bit harsh. I think Dan, you mentioned the other week, mate, that he was a uh, 
is a player who thrives on crosses and and that type of thing, not having the ball hoofed up to him. I'm pretty sure you said that, didn't you, Dan? If I remember rightly. Um, so yes, you did. Yeah, I, th- I thought you did. And um, but you, you're right, mate. He, he he's always been that type of a player. If you're watching that Sunderland Till I Die uh, documentary, what what balls does he get where he picks the ball up, beats three men? or gets the ball hoofed up to him, none of them, none of them at all. So we still clearly haven't figured out how to play uh, with him, obviously. Um, and yeah, I think without Tymon, uh, I mean, we'd we'd be really struggling to know how to break teams down. And I think the clear thing for, for me especially is that we really just don't seem to have a clue on how to approach games. Now, I'm not going to call... I'm calling O'Neill into question a little bit here, but but bear with me. So the formation is the formation. We've all we all know what he's going to do. Uh, we can always predict it. He's going to play the five at the back if he can get away with it. But the one thing I'm definitely going to question is this constant tinkering of the squad. You cannot keep making five or six changes every single week. I know every now and then we get an injury or two. You know, bloody pals out yet again. Um, you know, if that guy stayed fit, he'd be playing at a much bigger club than Stoke. But the fact is, he can't, which is why he's with us still. And he just just baffles me with that guy, guys, to be honest. Um, it annoys me how he's not fit. But the, the, the reason I'm calling O'Neill as a question on this particular area. So what the hell has Wilmot done to get dropped uh, instead of bloody Chester? Um, why are Chester and Dehaney getting ahead of Wilmot? That's what I can't understand. Right, Phillips, another one. Uh, he had a really good intro to Stoke. He, he literally couldn't have timed it better. On Sky Sports, everyone was raving about him. Uh, he played the next game, I think it was. Did pretty pretty much okay. And then, yeah, a couple of mediocre games. But other players can do that. Chester had more than probably 50 bloody unflattering uh, un- uh, games for Stoke and played every single week. So for him to get dropped out of the squad... And Phillips, um, I think I should sorry, no, O'Neill today about Phillips said that we've got so many young players in the team that we've got to find the balance. Absolute load of crap. I'm sorry, load of crap. You have him on the bench as an option. Mate, but even when he's young... been on the bench, oh, he's not yeah. been playing. So no, no, yeah. Go on, go on. yeah, with young players, they want to fight for the club. Like for example, Chester, he's experienced, yes, but with the amount of mistakes he's made, like you mentioned Wilmot, he what does he do when he has the ball? He wants to drive forward. Chester just passes it to his best mate, Jagielka, next to him. Young players want to attack and they want to score and they want to show what they can do so they can have a starting place. And if O'Neill's not going to play them, they will want out of the club. And we've got a lot of promising youngsters. And to be fair, if DiMaggio goes, you'll probably see a lot of the other youngsters going with him. Yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me, mate. And O'Neill's. I think we mean you discussed this before we came on air, mate. But he's not helping himself here, O'Neill. Uh, he's got a lot of abuse from the away fans the other night, uh, saying that he, he needs to go, etc. And then people complain about why he's not applauding the fans. Look, I, I get it. Um, you know, if I go to work and someone's berating me all day, I'm not going to go. Yeah, have a nice day. See you later. It's not going to happen, is it? Um, so I understand that, but he really is not helping himself out with this type of thing. Now. I think one final thing before I let Dan uh, say say his piece. Um, I think when I think about Stoke right now, I mean, especially me and you, Dan, we've been we've been following Stoke for for many many years. We've seen far far worse than this. Um, I remember 
cold wintry December nights at home against I think it was like the likes of Mansfield and Macclesfield and some absolute showers um at, at the stadium. And there's just a sense of of apathy around the place. Like I saw comments last night, people just saying, I've just had enough. Um and I do kind of understand it. I think it's very, very draining every single week think right this is the turning point this is the turning point and actually it isn't um so yeah i just feel as if i'm still in the o'neill camp in right now but i'm struggling at the minute to to defend some of his actions i think that's probably where we are and i'm purely o'neill in because i in my opinion there's not really anyone else better out there um, and you can throw Bielsa. You can which I, the guy can't speak a word of bloody English, so he can stay well away. Um, I can't. I can't get on board with a manager who doesn't speak English. Um, and you know, at the same time, I think Farka has been mentioned, Dante. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've heard of a good good reputation, but I don't really know too much about him. So yeah, that's a very long opening speech, guys. But I just wanted to get that off my chest and and feel free to uh, to do some more rambling. <laughs> Of your of your own, I suppose, Dan. Yeah, what's your thoughts on any of that I've just mentioned, mate? Anything you you vastly disagree with? Um, I'm just trying to to put the points in order. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Sorry. I think no, it don't. It's all right. I, I, I think we, you were saying about the team selections, weren't you? And there's a lot of chopping and changing. Um, playing. I'll try and play devil's advocate. Um, and obviously, a lot of this. I'm not generally saying I 100% agree with what I'm saying, just trying to look at other points of view and reasons why things may happen. Um, it could be, obviously, we've got a lot of players coming back from injury. Um, so maybe our players not fully fit. Is it that, because I remember like he said at the weekend, didn't he, that Sawyers had played two games in three or four days and in... Yeah, so he, he that's why he didn't play Tuesday. Uh, and obviously, on reflection, Vranchich had been brought back uh, a day, uh, you know, probably one game, uh, one week too soon, maybe. So, obviously, he would have gone out. Obviously, you can't help with things like Powell and stuff as well. But there's, is that what he's sort of doing? Are we managing the squad? Because of how many injuries we've had, and we have been, we've suffered you know, for a long time, you know, five, six months now with injuries, haven't we? And long-term ones as well, that people have got a not one, you know, couple of weeks and once you've shoot the knockoff, your fitness is still there. We, we've had a lot of injuries that have required uh, building players back up again. And yeah, that's the only thing I can think of, is he trying to manage people's fitness as much as anything with that? And is that why we're chopping and changing? Can we justify what? the Wilmot be, being bench though yeah and and chester i don't get it feels like an ostergaard situation doesn't it it does almost yeah i mean it does had a couple of average games but christ every player has a couple of average games bloody tyrese campbell's had plenty of them since he gets since he came back and he's the the god to a lot of fans so i don't understand why he's being treated differently again to be honest he's got a lot of um, he's got a, yeah, he, he did have a couple of bang average games, didn't he? Wilmot, but he also had, um, and then Smith has come in, and I think that, that's fair enough. Smith, Smith's an actual right back. If Wilmot's come in, done a good job, if his level's dropped, 
then yeah, Smith coming in, you can see the yeah, that's not a massive issue, is it? You know, you, no. you put your player in there who you know possibly should be in there. Um, the Dehaney one though, you know, with all due respect to Dehaney, that does surprise me that Wilmot. If Smith isn't going to play, if why Wilmot isn't like the next next cab off the rank, if you like. Um, yeah, and I, th- I, mean, I thought Howard yeah, Ballas, mate, that, that... For, for how good Howard Ballas has been since he joined, he's had a very, very average couple of games. I mean, that game against Barnsley last night, the amount of passes he, well, they're just shocking, uh, like really bad. Um, so there's another one he could have e- easily dropped to to give her a bit of a rest for a game. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's yeah. not you know, it's not not just the Wilmot show again. I mentioned Wright Phillips. I don't get what he's done to get dropped either. Um, you, there's a few players, isn't there? But again, yeah, there's, there's a few players, himself. mate. There always is, and it's the change of formation back to a five back, which is very negative. It's a highly defensive formation. When we were playing the four back with obviously the three midfielders, three attackers, we were doing very well. Look at Nottingham Forest; we almost beat. We almost beat them until late on. He beat Swansea 3 0. Um, and then he's changed back to this formation. Obviously, against Bournemouth, we did almost beat them. And then against Chester Palace, it's the same. But then we come into the league, and it's just a formation that's just bang average now. It's a formation that, you know, if you're not going to be attacking much, I think Timon is really our only attacking wing back at the moment. Smith doesn't really get forward. I don't think Dehaney last night got forward. If Wilmot plays in that wing back position, he's going to get forward. But it it's painful the, to watch the five back. The key the key for me, if you want to play five at the back, it hasn't really worked since Harry Suter got injured. And I think the thing is that none of these defenders that we've got now can do what Harry Suter does as well as he does. Phil Jagielka is probably the closest to it in respect of bringing the ball out and you maybe carrying the ball into midfield or picking a pass um, through the into midfield or even through the midfield. Um, that's what Suter, that's what Suter was good at at the start of the season yeah. and that's what made that, that formation work. He could switch the ball to either flank, uh, he could play it on the deck and, and, and pick a pass. You know, he was... And, that you know, that's why... He was being looked at by clubs, you know, higher up in the, in the Premier League, and that he was pivotal to how this played. And it was a bit similar to Tyrese Campbell last year when they got injured. The way we played hasn't been anywhere near as effective since they since he got injured. And obviously, we looking back now in hindsight, we should have switched to four at the back. Four three three or four two three one, and should have gone like that. Obviously, to be fair to the manager, he does need time to realise it's not going to work. But I can't see why we've gone back to it now. Bournemouth away, maybe yeah, maybe I do understand the extra defender there because you're going to be happy with the point at Bournemouth away, no matter where you are in the league. If you know, even if we were fighting it out second or third. You know, if we were up that end, that high up in the league, you'd still, you wouldn't be disappointed if you came away from Bournemouth at the point, would you? If someone told you you joined there. I know Peterborough certainly weren't last night. No, exactly. So that's, you know, so so I can understand it there, but to me, it's frustrating watching Stoke because so many games to me, I think we have, 
we have the ball and the opposition let us have the ball a lot mm. of the time. And we don't seem to have much idea what to do with it. <laughs> that no, seems to be no. the biggest issue. Um, it's like when we played Blackpool last weekend, they actually pressed and they pressed really well. They pressed really high and they pressured us into mistakes. We didn't know what to do. The defence, the, the game plan from the manager was obviously he wanted them to, to not to pass the ball around and wait for there to be a gap to go forward and play through lines. And then that's why he put all these attacking players, why Vrancic, Powell and Sawyer's rule on. Defence, be, be, um, be patient, be calm on the ball, trust yourself, pass it around, wait for a gap and wait for the press to create, leave you a gap. Then play it into Baker now, and they'll find the, they'll find the number tens, and they'll feed Magic. That to me was a pretty obvious game plan. I could see that he wanted, but what actually happened was the def- the centre the centre defence and the fullbacks or wingbacks as they were on Saturday would knock it between themselves, and after about seven or eight passes of being pressed and pressed, would especially without the outlet of Bursic in goal, where they don't trust Bonham. They, they didn't have an outlet as such, didn't know what to do with it, weren't confident enough in their own ability and just smacked it down long to Powell and Magic. Neither of which, Nick Powell's decent in the air, but neither of which are... Yeah, they, they, neither of them were at the, were at the flanks, too. They were at the channels, like, no. say, a Ricardo Fuller used to do. Uh, they aren't that kind, neither of them are that kind of striker. So, basically, we were just giving the ball back to Blackpool. Um, and then last night, Barnsley, Barnsley were happy to sit in and let us have the ball and say break us down. And then obviously they would hit us on the counter when they did. And it's it's like we haven't got we haven't got the we, we go forward. Every every man in that team knew their job, every man at Blackpool team knew their job. We went forward and it's like our players, the ones in attack didn't know what runs to make, didn't know where to come short, where to go long, whether the to you know run th- Run through for a, a, like a slide pull, and then like Alan and Baker when they're coming forward, they're looking around and they don't know what the, they don't know what the teammates are going to do. No. And again, that probably comes back to the fact the team's changing so often all the time. There's exactly. no there's no continuity and attackers. The, it's all right having a big squad, and now we have got one. I mean, I was you know when there's probably what seven or eight professionals being left out. On, on a match day at the minute, because we are now, you know, apart from Suta, we are not new enough fully fit. So, and with us having quite a few youngsters in the squad, our the actual 25 men squads can actually probably be a bit, a little bit bigger. Um, so, what, like I say, what's happening is they are chopping and changing all the time, and there's no, like I say, no continuity. But I've lost my trailer four now. <laughs> so it's so, no, it's okay, mate. You, you know, you've made you've yeah. made some some really good points. Good points, there, mate. Um, and I mean, to be fair, we we can all uh, yeah, analyze it. But you're saying exactly what I'm saying there, mate. In terms of, it's not so much the formation now. They're in a formation. They just haven't got a clue what to do now. Whether that's you could then call in training, or are they not working on? on movement are they not working on these things in training uh, will o'neill say well we haven't got much time because we're playing too many games too quickly maybe that is an honest honest factor um because he's changing the team and the players can't get used to each other it could very well be the case but in that case stop changing your team 
just let it get a bit of continuity within within the team and leave it be. Change the injuries if you need to, yes. But no, you make no. You, again, you make the same similar comments, and, and, and Andy. Yeah, I think you, if you go back to the start of the season when we were, you know, pushing for those playoff places properly, being top six, you would not often see a change unless it was an injury. Yeah. And now all those players have come back, and Michael O'Neill's probably thinking, "I've got to keep changing to find out who's going to work." But in order to find out who's going to work, you've got to keep the same team at least for a couple of games. And then change maybe one or two players that you aren't thinking of doing that system. And then you'll obviously start seeing results again. Do you know what it is as well? This this is what I was going to say before. It's right having a big squad, but like look at Manchester City, for example. I know they're a different stratosphere as Stoke City, right? But the reason they're successful with a big squad is that they can take they have two players for every position, but you wouldn't you wouldn't know you know, take take the name off the back of the shirt. And Pro Mask, you wouldn't know which one's which when they play because they all they are set for that position during they all play the same way. So if one's unavailable, or if you rest one, bring somebody in, it doesn't affect how the team play because they all because the right backs will play the same, the right wingers play the same, the centre midfielders play this you know, in each position will play they all play the same way. They've got one style and they all yeah, know what yeah. their job is gonna be. Yeah. Yeah, so so it doesn't matter. They can make ten changes. It doesn't really matter because they're bringing in ten players who play the same way, and they understand that their teammates are going to be playing the same way as well. And Andy, I mean, you were—I missed it, mate. To be honest, but obviously you went to to the game the other day. Unfortunately for you, um, and I, I saw the video of the coach of uh, those special um, <laughs> people at the back doing songs but we'll leave that to another day but anyway yeah. you mentioned that you heard a lot of o'neill out chants um yeah and you know you're well, i'm not gonna repeat some of the words because we know there's children that do listen listen to this as well so <laughs> we won't song go down that, but... gary rowett back in the day yeah yes yeah that gives you an idea same but... song same song was used pretty much the well, a lot of fun st- I, st- i'm still an o'neill in like he saved us from going down to league one um He's obviously got us pushing for playoffs. He's been riddled with injuries this season. And then, like we've said, he's trying to lost find... He's lost the plot this season. But who's going to take over from him at the moment? I know we've mentioned Farke. We've mentioned Bielsa. Obviously, we won't want Bielsa. He can't speak a word of English, can he? We'll see his translator back in the interviews. But he will turn this around somehow. And if he does go... It will be at the end of the season, and I don't, th- I don't think the coach's family have that in mind. But if he does go before the end of the season, I think it'll be Dean Holden who takes place until there. See, Obviously, he's got managing experience. For Dean Holden, yeah, uh, I know. Andy, but th- how many of them have ever even seen the guy manage? He managed one game against Holden. This is what I mean. It's like always oh, here's your magic wand. No. I don't no, think so. People are on about some of these other names that are linked to not being good enough and stuff. Christ, I'd have Tony Pulis over flipping Dean Oldham, mate. <laughs> you know, Pulis, yeah. you know, hundreds of games behind him. I'm yeah. sorry, but that that is just a ridiculous comment for me. It, Everyone's welcome to their opinion, but for me, that's a ridiculous comment. It's just tough I wouldn't being have a Stoke fan a bit at the moment, isn't it? Like we're clutching, aren't we? We're yeah, clutching. a lot of fans still, still see us as this Premier League team. We're not. We are far from that Premier League. You know, even relegation zone. We're, we're far from playoffs at the moment. We've got a strong team for mid-table in the championship. It's 
it's tough to watch, but you know, Michael O'Neill, he he will find a way. He managed to get I put this on Twitter, but he managed to get Northern Ireland a team you would not think would ever be successful to Euro twenty sixteen, I believe. And that was a feat in itself to get them there. But Dan, do you think that O'Neill? I mean, we've seen a considerable change in the in the fans, haven't we? Uh, in the last couple of weeks, is is it something he can pull back now? I mean, to if to get to the end of the season, we know what games are coming up, and they are far from easy, especially that April uh, fixture list. That is a scary fixture oh. list. I'm going to be honest. So, what does O'Neill need to do between now and the end of the season? to make people give him more time or has he had his time and he will not win them fans back? Hopefully just a couple of wins. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know how fickle football fans are. Let's let's remember Crystal after the Crystal Palace game, you know, people, oh yeah, we play we've battled at Bournemouth, we've battled at Crystal Palace, unlucky lads, you know. And all of a sudden, yeah, two two bad performances later and <laughs> it was eighty percent of the fan base wanting gone, is it? Um, yeah, I think he, people are forgetting that it's like October time. We were flying. What were we third in the league after we beat West Brom? Yeah, we were third in the league just off that. A, I think within, we would have gone second a, if it results went our way. Yeah, within a few weeks, we'd had you know, we'd lost the goalkeeper. Before we played another game, we lost the goalkeeper. And we basically and we lost Suter. We, yeah, we Campbell's never been fit yet this season. We've had uh, Jordan Thompson got injured before we played again, and he was a pivotal part of that, you know, around that side as well. And then you've got Nick Powell, who got he broke his leg not long after. So these these aren't even like short injuries; these were like three four month jobbies. And then you've got to try and get the players fit again when they come in. And I think the worst thing that actually happened was a lot of them came back at the same time. So they were trying to get a lot of players fit all at once. And obviously, because they were such pivotal players, that's what you, you that's what you wanted, wasn't it? You want them out on the pitch. And I think it's all just sort of stemmed from that, I think. Well, what do you say to the people, mate, who go, well, but, we're not the only team in the league to have injuries? Yeah, but the, the, we are the only team in the, in the league to have injuries, but not many teams have had the amount of injuries we've had, and also the amount of to key players. They aren't just any players. They were they're key players, and and they were long-term ones. Do you know what I mean? Most teams, yeah, they have injuries, and you might see someone say, oh, well, yeah, we've got we've got nine out this week. And you think, well, yeah, they are okay. And then, like, three weeks later, the, you know, seven of them come back. It, but we didn't have that, did we? I was out for months at a time, you know, months and months. Yeah. Like I mentioned about Powell again, he's out for another six yeah, weeks at and, and minimum. Since, yeah, since, end, that's end of season, that is. Yeah, since since he's come into the club as well, yeah, he's not been able to spend really, has he? He's not been able to spend. And people say, yeah, you can always. There's always a looting up there. There's always a, you know, a Coventry or something where people can turn around and say, well, they can do it. Why can't you? It's, it's you know, you can't. All right, okay, yeah. Um, we'll say, you know, Blackpool. Oh, we had none of the Blackpool side in getting the Stoke team. But, um, so, so we should go for their manager, as someone said the other day. We, God. Okay, so, all right, okay. So if Stoke signed, if Stoke signed those 11 players this summer and played, and played, and played like that, would you be happy? No, they wouldn't. 
So that's not what you're aiming for. You're going to be aiming higher. But like I say, last season, everything was around Tyrese Campbell, wasn't it? The whole, and it was like yeah. it was a one-man. It, it was basically, we'll keep it tight at the back, we won't concede, and we'll play in. And, and Campbell will either score a goal or set somebody up for a tap-in. And that worked for like three months until he got, you know, three, three and a half months, and then he got injured. The problem was, and then I think in this summer, the manager's seen that and thought, I can't rely on one player as much this year. You know, we, we I need to find a, a balance. We need we can't rely on one player because we can't have it repeated where that player comes out the side for whatever reason and when we've got no we've we've then lose all kind of attacking impetus. And so he signed other players and we did look we didn't look a one man team at all, did we, at the start of this season? No. Anything but really, you know, look think of the goal we scored against uh, the timing goal against Nottingham Forest. Every player on the pitch touched the ball, didn't they? That was a <laughs> brilliant goal. That was. The goal against yeah. Luton, you can bring up as well. That was about twenty-three passes within the team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's you can't just disregard that. You know that the, the same manager who everyone's saying now is, is crap. He, he got on playing that way. The problem, the the thing is. We lost all the momentum and everything when all their injuries came. And yes, other teams do get injuries. I understand that. And I understand what everyone's saying regarding that. But I don't think, you know, it's not just us. It's not just me saying they're bad. You know, for a long time, you know, you listen, you watch the high, you know, the highlights, the EFL highlights uh, on the TV, you listen to other um, EFL dedicated like podcasts and stuff. And they were, they would every time they would talk about Stoke, they would say that what a horrific time they're having with injuries for time and time again. So that just you know it wasn't just us that were noticing it; it was noticed you know, by the, like the the media outside the club as well. Okay, so one of the things we haven't mentioned, which um, is almost in the same breath in a way. Now, this is one I absolutely can't get on board with. Owners out. I've heard no. comments on this. <laughs> no. and, uh, the I club's mean, finances would just drop and we would get hit with deductions. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's let's play a little bit of devil's advocate. So I've got a, a couple of mini comments or questions. So let's see how it comes out. But, I mean, generally, they're coming in from some stick. Now, no owners at any club are perfect. The Man City owners won't be perfect. I'm sure the stuff that, that the Man City fans don't like about them, etc. Now, um, for me, and I think a lot of people will probably share the same sentiment, we're very, very lucky to have them. Um, and people go, oh, God, yeah, it doesn't mean we should like them. No, absolutely not. Um, but, Luke, what I say is, are they faultless? No. Have they made wrong management decisions? Obviously, in hindsight, the answer is obviously yes, they've made wrong decisions. Obviously, they've made some good ones in the past as well. So you've got to say, OK, well, Luke, that they went, you win some, you lose some. Um Personally, and I think probably your your both of your your reactions, I cannot imagine not having them in charge. A, they're probably some of the richest people that could ever want to own Stoke City, or ever would want to own Stoke City. And B, the Stoke fans. You tell me how many other people are lining up with their money, with purely the best interests of the club at heart, whether they make the right decision or not. If you can show me a, a line of people waiting to buy the club, then I'm all on board with you for re re replacing them. The I fact don't is, think any nobody wants Yeah, how many, how many owners are going to come in and, and, and willingly accept the club losing 50-odd million quid a year? Well, if go, you think yeah, about, about it, we'll with Derby and that, with Derby, nobody really wanted them, did they, at first? It's a, it's taken them a while to get their stuff sorted out. If 
the coach's family decides, you know what, we want to sell this. We're only we'd, lucky, we'd... mate, that they've not actually riddled <laughs> yeah. us with debt, aren't we? They, yeah. they aren't. They, they are. Ve- we're very gone. lucky in that regard. We're lucky as fans. Like we said, they've been able to give us free coach travel and that, which, you know, it might seem a little thing, but think about how much that's going to come out of their pockets. Hundreds of thousands, mate, over the course of a season. Uh, hundreds of thousands, probably half a season. I'd say it goes up to a couple of million for the season, for the hiring out and things like that. But when did they come into, you know, ownership? Yeah, oh, 2006. Was it 2006? Yeah. Second time round, yeah. It's, it's we've so we've obviously promoted and come back down since yeah. then. So, so the first year that so Peter Coates took over, first thing he did was put Tony Pulis in charge in 2006. Yeah. He'd had a year at Plymouth after being let go by the Icelanders for not signing, not exploring the foreign markets, was the official line. <laughs> he didn't change that stance, did he? No. <laughs> so then the first season was Peter Coates. In, so bear in mind, we had been like lower, you know, basically where we are now yeah. with, with the Icelanders in charge. Um, and then first season, we finished eighth, but we just missed out on the playoffs on the last day. The, re- the problem was it took until October, I'd say, for Pugh to start bringing players in um, that he wanted. That's when he got sort of Rick, Liam Lawrence, um, Danny Eggenbottom, uh, you know, people like that, started coming into the club, Salif, Jow, Andy Griffin. Uh, so then we just missed out on the playoffs. They then gave, obviously funded him then with more money and more wages, basically an open checkbook to get us promoted the season after we finished second. And that open checkbook has pretty much remained, like I say, since since he came in two thousand, since he took over in two thousand six. Yeah. Um, I don't think Tony Pulis ever was ever rejected any transfer. Um, I think the reason he probably left was that they they tried to make the club more self sustainable in terms of they wanted more younger players, whereas Pulis obviously wanted to go for tried and tested 28 to 30 year old that you buy in the prime but wouldn't have any resale value and they wanted to maybe buy younger players and develop them and sell them on or even just a mix more and it was more about coaching and developing the players i think the the other line was obviously they didn't want they didn't want the club to end up in a situation where if bet365 for whatever reason wasn't there to support them that it endangered the future of the club well i think and, the fact is most clubs i mean we would we'd be let's let's be honest we would be wouldn't we? yeah even with some of the youth youth players they've got show me a club that can run on its own without investment <laughs> i'd love to know how many in the championship cover, come under that umbrella probably none of them no it's scary the amount of money that gets lost in the championship and like i say we're just lucky that we've got owners who don't they are happy to just keep writing the checks and don't actually want that money back. Well, that checkbook's been open, I think, permanently. If we didn't have FFP, I'm sure we would have been probably promoted shortly after coming down because we would have just... I mean, obviously, I know we spent 60 million quid. That was a big mistake with the, with the wrong manager. But, you know, even after that, it would have been, OK, yeah, we cocked up here. Uh, but, yeah, here's another 50, 60 million, O'Neill. Uh, go and sign who you need to sign. Um, so I'd like to yeah. think you Nathan Jones would have brought with fifty or sixty million. God, oh, God knows, mate. He, God spent, knows. <laughs> he spent nine million on some folks. Oh God, two phase performing well this season for Wickham, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? 
I did send. I did send you. Yeah, it's like fourteen goals and thirty games in the season before thirty appearances. Nothing. He's found his level though, hasn't he? Yeah, I think the only moment Sam Vokes has had for us was that goal against Sheffield Wednesday. He scored a good, uh, good goal against Villa in the cup. I seem to remember. It's not in my memory. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty cool goal. But yeah, anyway, I think I think what we're all trying to say is we'd rather have rich billionaire owners who are fans of the club rather than some millionaire owners who couldn't give two craps about the club. I think that's what we're trying to say. That so, would get us yeah, relegated I think well, like, fairly. I think as well, people, uh, I've seen a lot of comments saying that they'd happily take the money, but they want somebody else to actually do the running of the club. <laughs> so put somebody else in charge. That's, that's uh, not how it works. <laughs> but some of them wouldn't we say that, that that's exactly what Tony Scholes has done for yeah and and yeah and I, I do I do I mean I, I was sort of scoffing like there but that was that was unfair um I do understand what they're saying that you know they they sort of own the club but they have somebody to oversee the football inside of it which yeah I can I can understand that um I can understand whether the coach family is saying actually well actually you know, if we're going to be giving you an open check, but we sort of want to say it how it's spent, or at least an overview of what's going on. Um, but like I say, I think Tony Scholes, like like you said, is is that person. Um, the restructure that's gone at the club, I don't think they put any time frame on that, did they? When they said like you know that Andy Cousins is going to be taking on more of a role, uh, and then the people who were under Tony Scholes basically just got a bit more. Um, a bit more sort of up the ladder, if you like, each of them. Yeah, it'll be the end of the season, mate. Before anything. Yeah, and I, yeah. that that's the thing. People jumping on that and as, as, as thinking that that's the way we're going long term. I think they were just, you know, to me that could well be that in the summer there is then a, a new Tony Scholes arise. In fact, most people, the the the, the manager who when he got appointed. And the most complaints was Mark Hughes. I seem to remember somebody driving. Yeah, I, rem- I remember that. <laughs> remember saying, like, why have we signed him? He got his, was it like three nine play finishes in a row? Yeah. So I don't think, you know, at the time, they've appointed managers who the fans have said, yeah, this is great. It, the fact it's worked out, it's not worked. And they've backed the manager. They've given the manager, you, you, whatever you want, you can have. So what, you know, it, the fans would have made the same decisions, surely, that the, the board did. It, so why it's worked out is necessarily not their fault, I don't think. I don't think you can pin the blame on them massively for it because it's a decision that a lot of us would have made if we were in the in the position of deciding who should be in charge. Um, yeah, I think you can probably criticise them for, for Lambert. <laughs> I think we can criticise them for that one. Well, to be honest, I think Lambert was like 27th choice, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think by the time they did, I think the, the issue there was they, they seemed to have sacked Hughes on a whim, even though it was probably 18 months coming. And fun enough, though, do you remember what Hughes said? Who else would want this job? And he was exactly <laughs> correct. Nobody else wanted it of any quality. And then Paul Lambert came through the door. Well, anyone would have had Paul Lambert at that point. <laughs> he, he, he would take any job. That's that's the yeah. point. But he was Hughes was spot on. Who else wanted that job at that time? And the answer was nobody. 
We had what two other managers turn us down? Was it uh, Sanchez, Flores, Sanchez, whatever? Kike Sanchez, Flores. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 turned us down. This I can't remember who else it was now. Someone else turned us down. He he came to the training ground, spoke to the club, walked away, wasn't interested. So I can tell you one. I can tell you one person who made it quite clear he was interested. Uh, was he uh, Mr. Mr. Potter by any chance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, I think we've we've banging on a, a long enough anyway in, in terms of detail i think we've covered a lot and i know we could cover even more um but this cannot be a three-hour podcast so anyway <laughs> um let's start moving on to some of the man of the match things now this is the thing i wanted to say about sky sports have any of you guys noticed that all of a sudden it's not man of the match it's player, of the, player match. of the match i'm sorry guys luke we have female listeners and this isn't about male versus female or any crap like that it's always been man of the match. The women don't play men's football. So why are you changing it for a men's football match to player of the match to try and be neutral? I can't imagine any, any female fan of any club writing in and going, I do not agree with this. This should be player of the match. I don't really want it's to comment political. on it. But it's probably my generation. Political correctness gone bloody insane, mate. They're turning into the BBC. Like... <laughs> I swear, right? So, anyway, this is my point, right? It's man of the match. Stop trying to change things. No one's offended. Get on with it. It's just, I've saw a few people point it out, and I pointed it out, and my dad pointed it out. It's just starting to get a little bit pathetic. So, men's football, man of the match. Simple as. Yeah. Well, okay, I don't know. In women's football, is, is it woman of, the, woman of the match? Is is that what it is? If they were using woman of the match, well, player of the match for women's football, then... All right, use that, but it's men's it's derog- football. It's not a derogative term. No, it's not. It's not meant to be a a sexualized thing. It's just. It's always been man of the match. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I just want to get it off my head, off my, my neck because <laughs> sounds just, like you need to get it off. It. Yeah, I was sick of seeing it, mate. I just, I can't, I just can't deal with that crap. Um. Anyway, yeah. So in terms of the actual man of the match, uh, standard as always. You know the uh, the Stoke fans from all around the world Facebook group. So that one. Uh, was one of the key ones. Now, our options this week were Baker, Allen and Tymon. Um, again, yeah, they seem to always be up there, don't they? Uh, so, yeah, uh, Tymon was third with 19 votes. Second was Allen with 28 votes. And obviously racing ahead was Baker with 102. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big difference. Uh, Twitter, a little bit different uh, in a way. So we're basically switching around uh, Allen and Tymon. So Allen was third with 18%. Tymon was second with 32%, and then Baker was first with 49%. Uh, there's a few hundred people, I think, who voted on uh, that one. So about 400-odd over the course of the uh, the two polls. So I think everyone's gone with Baker. I think we'd all uh, agree with that one. The Alan and Tymon, well, Alan always splits uh, personal opinion, doesn't he? So um, hard to know with that one. But, yeah, I think we'd all probably agree that those are probably the right decisions. Um, right, anyway, I think we're done for those two games. Um, so uh, let's just move on to the very, very brief this week, Stoke City News. So just hold fire with your news, because you sent out a tweet after the Barnes game saying, <laughs> we want to hear from you. And you can't yeah. send that tweet out and have all them replies come flooding in and then just ignore them all, Michael. So <laughs> Yes, yeah, apologies. We've been rambling on for, for, for that much about the whole game again, all depressed. I think we've all kind of forgotten. So, yeah, apologies for that. Um, yeah, so I'll be honest with you. I've had 
I've had about 20 odd responses across Facebook and Twitter. So I'm going to do my best to get through um, a chunk of them. So, OK, uh, so this is from uh, Moth Fizz, which is a great name. Uh, so uh, MON did a good job to get us out of the bottom three, but he's shown that he can't promote us and is clearly doing some things wrong apart from transfers. Our main problem for me is the horrible amount of individual errors. We need a man like Fark who can actually get teams promoted. Uh, I'm sure not everyone agrees, but he's gone panic mode and we're in relegation form. A managerial change isn't exactly needed, but something needs to happen because points are getting thrown down the toilet. Uh, these names get better. That drunken dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, some name. names on Twitter are brilliant, aren't they? Love it. Um, I struggle with this every single time. A decent manager is surely facing the sack, and I am again. To all the people who were painting uh, Michael O'Neill as the evil bloke who hasn't a clue and is destroying our club, shame on you. We wouldn't even be in this league without him. Do I think he should stay? No. Uh, but vitriol and vile comments to a man who did everything for us when we needed it most is disgusting. Hang your heads in shame. No, it hasn't worked out, but he's down well made Stoke City a better club than when he found it. Um, and then, as I say, we had a a number as well on, uh, on on Facebook, mainly around the results. But uh, just a couple of comments. So Ian McDonald, I actually thought De Haney looked like he could be on a decent wing back compared to Smith and Wilmot, which is interesting. Uh, Baker, Allen and Thompson were poor and offered nothing going forward until Baker's goal. Can't say I agree with that one, Ian, but um, fair enough. And he carries on his comment as well, says, when we're playing with two up top, we need the midfield to feed them. But Brown and Maja had to keep coming deep and that limited a threat in forward areas. Warren Wallbanks going forward. I think we need we have found our next club captain and Baker. Couldn't agree more, Warren. Uh, that's the only positive I can take from the game. Stoke season is well and truly over. Um, I won't read that. So swears. Uh, Major won't score if he plays till Christmas, says Mike. And then Chris uh, the amount of chances that this squad has missed offensively in the past couple of weeks is driving me insane. Um, just what about the past more. couple of seasons? <laughs> couple of seasons, yeah. So Michael Lloyd, I've watched us all season. We've missed a lot of chances. Last night, both Baker and Maja hit the post. Maja also at the post against Blackpool. We rarely score from corners or free kicks. And I've noted that Baker doesn't seem to do tap-ins. And then the final one, Adam Barker. I've done my fair share of grilling Allen. He appears to have turned a massive corner in recent weeks. And his consistency has improved dramatically. Josh Tam has come on so much over the past two seasons. And Lou Baker, he's one hell of a signing. Nice way to finish. Well, I've got one more. So, obviously, we've got a... She's becoming a bit of a regular correspondence with her, isn't she? Rory, uh, who follows us on Twitter, and um, she sent us a message. So she says, frustrated, yes. Points were shared, but Stoke played iffy again. Yet we had more possession for starters again. Bursic hasn't done anything wrong, and he's been benched for Bonham, who isn't giving us the confidence we need. He's conceding as many as Bursic, so when will he bring Joe back in? Right, Phillips has somehow disappeared from the first team in the under-23s without any explanation. And Chester can only play away games, it seems. Stoker, from what I heard, not great tonight. Once again, the Michael comments are getting bigger and bigger. I think we wouldn't be where we are now without him, but the sack is getting closer, even though we came out with a draw and points are shared. I feel if we lose on Saturday, he's gone. It feels like one solo talent is keeping O'Neill in his job. In Baker, similar to the Man United situation with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Stoke need to be up there. Need to up their game. If it wasn't for extra time and Baker's gorgeous goal, we would have lost tonight. 
We seriously need to bring Joe Bursic back. The lad is lost. He looks devastated on photos and O'Neill doesn't seem to know his team very well. Thanks again, lads. Let's hope for a better result on Saturday against Peterborough. I can't say I really disagree with any of them. Any of those comments at all. Like, for example, Tymon's a different player. Brown's a different player. And we've got the players for it. It's just the system, like I've been saying. Mm, all right, lovely. Well, uh, thank you to um, everybody who's commented on Twitter, Facebook, and obviously directly there with, with Rory. Much appreciated. Again, anybody who wants to get in touch in future, uh, contact us, as I said, either on the Facebook group or you can go to uh, Every Step Along the Way on Twitter or, of course, just drop us a DM, etc. from there. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's get on to uh, this week's Stoke City News. Okay, so uh, Stoke City News, uh, the main one, obviously, and again, one that raised a lot of eyebrows um, for various reasons, was the, uh, the obviously, the, the woman's uh, football director uh, resigned and quite publicly um, had some uh, comments given from various different play- players. Uh, so current uh, you know, Stoke women's uh, players, previous women players. So uh, I think Chloe Jones was the technical director uh, she's only joined us in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. I think she came in as a coach, uh, went very, very quickly to technical director and then back as coach again after our manager resigned um, and obviously then has, has walked. And I mean, Dan, you you probably saw um, this, no doubt, as well, because I know you follow it relatively closely, like you do the under, under-18s and under-23s. So there were some quite um, harsh words said about the club, weren't there? Uh, you know, not being supported financially, I guess strategically as well, um, and almost feeling like they have no support and and no plan for the women's football. Yeah, so it it, it seems there is some uh, major issues and major disconnects, shall we say, between uh, Stoke City FC and the women's section, the women's branch of the club, if you like. In fact, it, it sort of looks like that there is no link at all at the minute, from what we're hearing. I mean, obviously, I'm not. We're not sort of clued up, are we, as to how, you know, but from what we're reading from players past and present, players in the squad now, players who've left, um, people who used to work in and around it, in and around the women's team, it seems like the, there's always been a feeling that the club aren't really on board and it's maybe a bit of tokenism to say that, they, you know, we've got a women's team and they want them, you know, when they want to, I think the phrase I've seen used is when they want them to tick a box, they're there, but then any other time they're not interested. Wherever they ask for anything, it's it's never given. Um. So yeah, it's it's a, it's it doesn't it doesn't look good at all, does it? No, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I swear the women's have to pay for their own strips, um, and get their own sponsorships and stuff like that. It's almost like a Sunday league thing. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's the case. Which, as I said, if you're representing um, a club the size of Stoke City, you should at very least give them all the strips and give them enough money to get around and, and travel around. Like you said, it, it it sounds like, at least from their perspective, it's all a, it's all an afterthought, really. Um, and, you know, I think one of the comments they said is, you know, players in Tier 3, all levels of women's football, should be able to play the sport that they love and feel valued while at Stoke City. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a lot been a lot said, but it's been something else that has been there to 
to hammer the the club over the head with. And you know, there's a lot of, as I said, current and ex managers, um, basically just coming out and saying the same thing. I, I can't, I'm trying to find the the comment now. I think it was, um, yeah, there was a comment from FCFC women about I think it was like you've not been supported by Stoke City. And there's such a lack of support for the women's team when they need to take a diversity box. They're wanting your presence, but anything related to financial support, investment, or even regarding inequalities, they do not want to listen. Alina shared the same frustrations against, and since nothing's changed, they will not find a better role model than you. The club will continue to lose good people unless it starts investing in treating women fairly, etc., etc. Some quite strong words were said during those kind of um, images that have gone up, but it seems to be shared by a lot of people. Yeah, it's not an isolated comment at all, is it? And that's the worry. Um, so even if that's not the club's intentions, that must be how they're coming across to, to the women and the women involved in the team. And then obviously just anyone else who's involved around the, around the team as well. So they need, they need to do something about it, don't they? They, if they're going to have a, a women's team, then they need to do it properly because it, you know, this is this. Let's be honest, this. The, the, it's twenty twenty two now. The, the you know, then women they go out there and they play a Sunday. You know, they play on a Sunday afternoon, uh, not too far from where I live actually. And you get down there, and you know, there's, there's a couple hundred people go down to watch them. Now you think. And then I think they've played on the Bet365 Stadium once, haven't they? And there was quite a few people turned up to watch. Now, why can't that be more of a regular thing? Why yeah. can't they play down there, you know, two, three times a season? There's nothing injury. It's not a massive ask, is it? You know, is it the same thing? They, oh, sorry. Why can't they use the same training facilities? Have you seen the size of Clayton Wood? Have you seen how many pitches they've got there? Why can't yeah. they use that? Why can't they have a pitch or two pitches? That are for them, because I I I imagine I don't know this for sure, but I imagine unless someone can tell me otherwise, that there are a lot of them pitches that never see a stud, or very rarely get you know they get probably get mowed and and looked after by the groundsman, um, and that's probably probably just wonders why he bothers doing it because nobody ever goes on them. Yeah. See, mate, I remember a couple of seasons ago being at the Bet365 and the, the women's team were paraded around the pitch. They won like two or three trophies, like really yeah. in, in short succession. And it was even then me, as someone who doesn't follow the women's football, was like, wow, you know, bloody good going. At least someone's winning something. Do you know what I, mean? I remember thinking that at the time. But, yeah, it's I've not heard a single thing about the, women, the women's football other than, you know, the women players themselves posting it on on Twitter and stuff like that over over time, um, it is almost like it's been forgotten a little bit. So, well, we'll, we'll see how this pans you, out. Let me tell you an experience I've had and with something sort of similar. Right, I used to run Stoke Ramblers, the Stoke fans team. Okay, mm-hmm. and we obviously I used to work at the club as well so when I started with Stoke Ramblers I was doing both of them and then I ended up leaving stopping working with the club and, and sort of playing on a Saturday morning um, every week and we said obviously we, we were a fans team we were representing Stoke uh, we go to tournaments we play whoever the Stoke, whoever Stoke were playing we play their fans before the, in the morning before the game in the afternoon so we were travelling all over the country. It was all self-funded. It was all fun. It was fun football. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, it was it was something positive. It wasn't 
you know, going there and having a Sunday more Sunday league style brawl or anything. It was all done like basically you wouldn't you shouldn't even need a referee. That was the, that was the whole point of that the thing the ethos of the league. You know, you, you go and you, you play football and you shake hands and it's all you know, it's all done friendly style. It's competitive but friendly, yeah. Yeah. So there was nothing about it that would have brought any disrepute disrepute into the club or anything. Obviously, even with the ties that I had of working there and mentioning it to people and saying, you know, can we, we, we got to three cup finals in three years and we were given um, one, on, only on the third time did we get, a, we was played at Eccleshaw, Eccleshaw Football Club. Oh, us. And we got a, a page on the internet the day before saying, like, oh, you're a Stoke fans team, anyone wants to go watch them. Uh, Stoke Rambles, the fans team, where we played this cup final there. Fantastic, brilliant. We asked on more than one occasion to, um, is it possible for anything like that? Could we, you know, be prayed around the pitch? N- nothing else. It's It was about creating memories for the people who were playing and also yeah. raising awareness of who we are because obviously it was all fans. Everyone was welcome to come. Everyone would get a game if they did come. It was all about like I say, a, a, a togetherness and forming a bond of Stoke fans. And the the literally the reply that come back, I'll get to the point. <laughs> the reply that come back was, yeah, come back when you've won something. <laughs> and it was like, well, that's not technically what it's about. <laughs> but that was the reply that we got, come back when you've won something. Well, doesn't sound like it's changed then, does it, to be honest? But... So when the yeah. ladies' team were winning everything, when the women's team were winning everything, they were quite happy for them to parade and look how great we are. Our women's team are winning. Yeah, well, yeah, what a great club we are. But if you haven't got trophies in the round and walking around, they're obviously not interested by the looks of it. Um, and just before we kind of wrap things up, uh, Dan, you uh, always like to be hot on the spot, mate, with under 18s, under 23s. So uh, what's the story on that front this week? So the under twenty threes have won away at Huddersfield three one in the League Cup. Uh, Douglas James Taylor, he loves that competition, top scorer this season in, the, in that competition with seven goals now. Uh, he got the opener, and then Tashan Oakley-Booth got a brace, so it was all over after half an hour, three 0 up. Yeah, so Huddersfield got one back, but uh, yeah, couldn't stop us taking our place in the quarterfinals. And Good so on Tashan. That, yeah, he's uh, got he got himself a quick fire brace. So yeah, Monday uh, this coming week they'll play Middlesbrough at home. That's seven pm kickoff, and it's at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium. So they are playing like at the Bet Three Six Five on on Monday, and they're chasing a playoff place in the league as well. Currently sixth, and it's top five doing like the second to fifth end up in playoffs. And we have got games in hand, and I think we'll level on points with fourth and fifth as well. So we're in a good position to. To get ourselves in the playoffs, I think we made them last year as well, as for if I remember rightly. Uh, the under 18s, they not so good news. They lost 2 0 to Liverpool on Saturday. Uh, but one notable name on the team sheet was Josh Ireland, son of Stephen. Uh, he's returned to the club, I believe, after I think from what I, find, what I can gather, he's had a bit of a spell away um, trialing at other clubs and that. But he's back at Stoke, so we'll see how long he's uh, sticking around for. But uh, it's a very highly rated prospect. Uh, they've, they've actually got a really big game under 18s, have they, Saturday? They're at home to Chelsea. 
Uh, kick-off 11am at Clayton Woods. It's in the semi-final of the League Cup. Semi-final yeah. of the Under-18s League Cup. So, um, yeah, they beat Arsenal in the last round. So they've got Chelsea now. So let's hope they can reach another final. Um, yeah, so, and then just to round off on the results, um, it's been a bad week, obviously. We've just been talking about the women. And, uh, yeah, just to make it worse, they lost 5-0 to Wolves and 6-2 to Middlesbrough this past week. Um, so, yeah, I think they were, yeah, the, the fight, obviously, yeah, with a lot, a lot going on around there, so a lot going on as well around the club. Um, so, yeah, they, they're hoping to get back to winning ways away at Nottingham Forest on Sunday, kicking off at two o'clock. Cool. Lovely. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Um, so, that just about does it for the uh, news section. So, you two can go head to head now um, on the Peterborough game this weekend. Yes, yeah, so Peterborough are not in good form. So yeah, we're going to visit London Road on Saturday. Yeah, they've got no win in nine. The goal they scored against Bournemouth on Tuesday was actually their only their second goal they've scored in their nine games. In fact, it's one win in twenty-one league games since October, which was a two-one win over Millwall on the eleventh of December. The form table, though, doesn't make for great reading for either sides. <laughs> because if you were looking at the last five games in the Championship, Peterborough are bottom with <laughs> one point from five games, scored two, conceded ten. And in 23rd position is Stoke City with two points, scored five, conceded eight. So, oh, yes, no. it's the battle of the two teams who... Or can't pick any points up at the minute. <laughs> Just nail nail all over it. That, that's however, fun, mate. However, Stoke have won the last six meetings between the clubs, scoring fifteen goals and conceding one. So, if there's a team we want to be playing, where regardless of whether they're bottom of the league or not, it seems to be Peterborough. They seem we must be their bogey side, a team they just can't get anything against. Um, we can out, mate. So I remember, do you remember Johnson Clark Harris, the player we were linked to? Him yeah, last I remember summer? Johnson Clark Harris. So we, yeah, we were linked with him last summer because he scored a shed load of goals last season, didn't he, when they got promoted? Mm-hmm. Well, he's managed four in 20 up front in the championship this season, so he's struggling a lot. Um, he's the top scorer, though, for them in the current um, squad. Uh, one behind Siriki Dembele, but obviously he left for Bournemouth in January. So, yeah, Clark Harry says the uh, out of the players will be on the pitch Saturday. He'll be the top scorer with his four goals. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, what have you got for me, Andy? Well, adding on to that fact about losing the last six in a row, Peterborough haven't actually beaten us in the last nine, with the three before that being draws. Um, our first league visit to Peterborough was January 2002, where um, we won 2-1 with goals from Dowson and Goodfellow. Um, Peterborough have actually failed to score in the last four home league matches and um, they've never failed to score in five consecutive home games in the Football League um, with their last one being their 1,414th home game since joining the Football League in 1960. Um, 
obviously we're without a win in the last six games and we're winless in seven games in all competition with only West Brom, Reading and Peterborough having picked up fewer points in the championship since the turn of the year where we've only picked up 10. And um, obviously Peterborough manager Grant McCann has lost each of his last three league meetings with Stoke all coming with Hull, conceding on average three goals per game and scoring only once during that time. Um, coming into their injury news, I have found a bit here. So um, Nathan Thompson is facing in, um, facing surgery on a shoulder injury, which means he could be out for the rest of the season. Um, goalkeeper Stephen Bender, um, he pulled up during a warm-up uh, against Bournemouth, so he's also struggling with a back injury uh, sustained against Man City in the FA Cup. And Di Cornell is expected to continue in between the sticks of the goal. Um, Jack Taylor is a bit touch and go but he's still going to travel with the squad and be there and Joel Randall and Dan Butler are also ruled out to injury and that's pretty much what I've got for you this week Nice mate Very nice um, um, yeah, so I'm struggling who, who wins that Dan to be honest with you, I think you both did a really good job you both got a point <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, confident yeah. with the game though considering that we've that we on average with that manager score three per goal per game and only conceded one in that time yeah, but it's, we'll help them out with that, won't we? Let's be honest, this is it, Stoke. It is, it is, mate. So, yeah, just to give you some um, players as well who've played for both clubs. So, you ready for this list? Let's hear it, Go then. On. So, we've got Richie Barker, who obviously managed Stoke, but played for Peterborough. Who are Georgie Berry? <laughs> Sido Berrihino. God. Did he really? God, I yeah. didn't know played for Peterborough. Martin Carruthers. Oh, yeah. Florin Cavalier, Richard Forsyth, Tony Zico Kelly, David Oldfield, Mark Prudo, Gabriel Zakawani, Tony Scully, and then we've got some, uh, yes, we've got some Potter legend here, Matthew Etherington. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. And then three people who are actually with Stoke currently. Any ideas? I haven't got it. Joe Bursic with the loan spell. Joe Bursic was on loan there last season. Oh, God. I can't think of any others, mate. James Chester Did played for Peterborough know? early in his career on loan, and Dean Holden played for Peterborough as well. Oh. Huh. Nice work. That is, that's, that's good. I think Dan just takes the point there, to be fair. So, what... Thank you. Thank you, Bandy. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving on to the game, surely, 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 surely. We can't lose this one, can we? Mate. Oh, well, we can. <laughs> we can. We're still. There's a way. I was, uh... going to say we do, I was going to say we must be due a win. We must be due. But but if we're due a win, what a piece of bro. Mate, if. <laughs> If we can't beat Peterborough, we've got some mega, mega <laughs> problems. How I feel like that would be Barnsley... O'Neill's last game if that's the case. Oh. Yeah, I mean, if if we're talking Barnsley, Blackpool, and Peterborough, where you could get nine points, if we walk away with one, that's beyond <laughs> catastrophic. That that and walking that away with being... four is pretty catastrophic, isn't it? And that one being Lewis Baker screaming in an injury time equal ninety <laughs> fifth minute. Yeah, shocking performances on all three because we would have to play badly by the sounds of it to yeah. to not win. So we're talking about another bad performance. 
Oh, mate, it doesn't bear thinking about, to be honest. But I think, like Andy, the knives would seriously be yeah. out. Bigger Holden than would take charge till the end of the season. Doesn't bear thinking about, mate, to be honest, all this. All of blue again. Just the, the <laughs> thought of a merry-go-round of a new manager and a new team. And I, I, I can't go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> no. But anyway, in answer to your question, Dan, I mean, are, are you asking for, for score predictions in that case? Yeah, just how do you, you see the game going? Um, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to say we're going to nick it 1-0. I, I just don't have the confidence in it right now. Uh, maybe a little surprises, but I've already gone for 3-0 and 4-0 score lines and been embarrassed uh, this season. So let's go for 1-0. And who knows, maybe they'll they'll do the opposite this time. Yeah. Andy, yeah, what about you, it? Andy? It, it's it's a tough one because obviously we've not played the best as of recent, but Peterborough haven't really ples- played the best all season. Yes, they did score against Bournemouth. I've not had a chance to see what their goal was like against Bournemouth. But if they can get a draw against Bournemouth, it shows that obviously they still want to try and stay up somehow with the situation they're in, you know, being, you know, I think it's around about 10 points off safety. I, I'm going to go 2-1. I know it seems like the prediction I go for every week, but I, I, I always feel like there's going to be some way we're going to concede. And I feel like 2-1's a safe bet. Yeah, I think I think it'll be... We'll go 2-0 up. I think we'll get the first goal and that'll be key to actually giving us... We'll, we'll push on from that and we'll get a second goal. And but like you, I think that they will then get a goal towards the end, and it'll be one of them really nervy. You know, got to they've got to show the metal. They've got to really dig in and grind out the win, grind out a, a win under a lot of pressure towards the end. Yeah, I mean, to me, if you look at that table, like the, some of the stats you were mentioning earlier, the bottom aren't they for for the form table? I'm just having a, another glance here as, as you're mentioning it, but yeah, scored two, conceded ten. The bottom only for home form versus us, who was second from bottom, with exactly the same stats. So like, like genuinely, like ten goals against, but except we've scored seven. But either way, like them, we haven't won a single one. Jesus Christ, it's even worse when you see it in a table form like this. You wouldn't think that we were, you know, at the start of the season, pretty much going for those automatic places, could you? No, no, too right, mate. I mean, even Luton are in fifth and then third for away form. I mean. Yeah. Huddersfield are the surprise package of this season, aren't they? How yeah. they've gone from what they were last season to this. Pretty nuts. Mate, you could say, like, I know we've done with Barnsley and things like that, but considering they were going for playoffs last season and now they're where they are, it shows yeah. how quick, how, how much something can change over a season. It does, mate. It does. Um, so, uh, well, one, positive, one positive thing is that because the teams directly above us are all playing at home this week, if we do win, then we go like seventh in the away table. So we must be doing, we do play. Well we can't just get home. promoted off away table. We do, can we? Can we play away every week? Well, we do play better. I think away. O'Neill wishes we could, mate. I think the players do, and I think that might be part of the problem. Yeah, I think yeah. it's of all the fans giving them stick. Yeah, I yeah, think the, well, the thing is, you can hear a pin drop, can't you? And it's oh, as if everyone's just waiting. He's wait, they're just waiting, a lot of people, to be able to criticise and, and be negative at something. And 
it's not going to leave. I mean, everyone's entitled to do what they want, but I just don't think it's a way of, I don't think it's a productive way of doing things. Mm. But they won't have that, will they, this week? Let's be honest. The away uh, fans. Let's hope. Mm. Are you going to this one, Andy? Uh, Mate, I go every game. I'm starting to regret it at the moment. I'm starting to regret it at the moment. (laughs) I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm not going to be anywhere near Peterborough um, <laughs> on, on Saturday. I'm taking the wife to London for a birthday present to see Blue October. You're um, not too far away then. You're closer than I'll be. <laughs> you might as, might as well just come on the way down. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we, we've obviously discussed it here, aren't we? But shall, shall we have a listen to what uh, the Peterborough fans that we've caught up with this week have got to say? Hello, my name's Jacob and I'm part of the Yellow Block. Well, the season's been a bit of a disaster for us, really. Um, the table don't, doesn't lie there. Um, we just struggle to pick up points and um, playing games. Uh, it may need to come down to fitness, I think. Um, we we started the season very unfit, and it seems like now we still struggle with it a little bit. Um, and, and the table doesn't lie, and it really shows that. And if you look at some of our scores, it really puts ourselves in different positions. Um, However, we have got a new manager, he's putting new ideas in, fresh ideas, and we have seemed to perform a little bit better the last few games. Results haven't really come in, but we still got um, something to build on. Um, I think we're pretty much down uh, this season. I've, I think it would be a miracle to stay up. However, all I want to see us is a little bit of fight, and, and I think Grant McCann will put a fight in, and we will try to put performances and see where it would take us we've tried different formations this season we've had uh, 4-4-2 we've had diamond we've had three in the back with wing backs um, we tend to pass from the back and uh, try to drive the ball forward but um, with it with this being grants fourth game in charge it'd be hard to say exactly where we're going to go into this game um, we tend to look at depends who what team we play is what formation we play and what sort of players so we do do rotate our players quite a bit uh, the two players i say to look out for is um jack marriott he's starting to get um a little bit of form back together since his injury um he's been he scored a couple goals for us um and you can see he has a little bit of championship experience he's seemed to be in the right place at the right time um but it hasn't been enough however there's another player um Ricky J. Jones, who would most likely come off the bench and cause you problems. He's got light and quick pace. He's only young, um, still only 19, I believe, and um, but he is very quick and he does frighten defenders, so he's the one I say look out for. Well, you can't deny that Stoke um, is probably one of the bigger clubs in the Championship. Obviously, has many years in the Premiership and a lot of clubs expire to. Obviously, this season... You're staying sort of more mid-table, um, maybe may a late push for the playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if you do get there. You look at the squad on uh, on paper; it's definitely got the ability to go push that that far up. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be a tough game for us, and um, and it's all that's what we want. We want to play against you know the big boys. We want to be in this league and try progress ourselves, but. Yeah, it's not been very good this season yet. Cheers, Jacob. Thank you for that. Uh, much appreciated, as always, mate. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think they, they sort of consign, consign themselves to relegation, haven't they? And 
back in League One for them next year. I suppose the one good point maybe for them is at least they've done it this season in in the Championship and not last, where they've you know they've been able to get into games and watch them. Couldn't think of anything worse really than getting promoted, and then like saying then it being last season when fans weren't allowed in, and then you back to where you were before you know, had a chance to attend any games. Yeah, it's almost as bad as the Liverpool uh, club, mate. Uh, obviously, winning the league and no one actually being there to see it. I thought that was flipping hilarious. <laughs> it's almost as bad they're as on that. A good run. They're on a good push for it this season, though, aren't they? They are, mate. They'll miss out. And City will do it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's always good to see the other, other views, mate. But I think the, the Peterborough fans will probably be expecting that they were going to go back down. They obviously wanted to maybe give a better fist of it, but they, they've had some decent-ish results over the course of the season. I think that one, again, the other night versus Bournemouth was definitely a bit of a surprise. You know, it's they've been, they've just been unlucky. You know, they've got through to the fifth round of the FA Cup. They've had Man City. It was a very respectable 2-0 loss. I mean, yeah, nothing much to, to, to really cry about, to be honest. And, you know, they, they've, they've ran, the, ran the likes of Fulham close and and stuff like that. So, you know, I think they can hold the heads relatively high, can't they? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the worry for Stoke is if, if they have sort of, if the players have given up and then thought, oh, yeah, that's it, we, yeah, we're going to go down, then the pressure's off. <laughs> and you know what happens to clubs when pressure goes off at the end of the season? Mm. Yeah, that might be the worry for Stoke. But I, I think, like, like we've said, we, we should have enough to well, we should at least be aiming to really go and get the victory there, shouldn't we? And, and you know, believing in ourselves that we can. Yeah, I do hope so. <laughs> yeah, uh, like we said earlier, I can't imagine what will happen if we don't. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's. I mean, we obviously got our predictions as well. We're missing McGarry, aren't we? Shall we have a listen? See what Graham's predicting. Let's see what. Let's see what he's is. been smoking this week. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, you Potters podcast people. Hello there, it's Graham McGarry back again after the international break. I hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graham McGarry with that Potters prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters. Well, hello there once again, Potter's Predictors. Things are not going particularly well at the moment, are they, for Michael O'Neill and all you supporters of the Potters. Can they come on a real late run? It doesn't look likely at the moment, but they're heading to Peterborough, who just begins to show a little bit of improved form under their new manager, Grant McCann. But Stoke City have that squad, talented squad, that if they come right on the day, they surely can get back on winning ways and get three valuable points. It seems a tall order to reach the playoffs, but if Stoke have got to get on a run, the time is right now. So let's go for a Potter's win on their travels. Peterborough nil, Stoke City 2. Yes, 2-0, and even he's still mentioning the playoffs. He's got great hope as great. Now, before we go any further, Michael, can I just... uh, can I just play this and ask what this is all about? How's he been smoking? <laughs> well, second, then we're going to win 2 0. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> mate, you just don't mind smoking, sniffing glue, I think. You've got a, you've got a fair point, though. We're 12 points off playoffs, mate. Oh, we can uh, still do it. Oh, yeah. We, we Mathematically, it is still possible. But with <laughs> the games we've got, obviously, Peterborough's probably the easiest of the bunch. But then you've got Cardiff, all right. They're, they're, they're a place behind Millwall. Uh, then Sheffield, Reading, West Brom, Bristol, Blackburn, QPR, Middlesbrough and Coventry. And more than half of them are still wanting to go for those playoff places. Mate, if you're talking about mathematical probabilities, we could potentially get relegated still. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, 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 think that's, I think that's off the cards. I tell you what, 11 games to go, we could still get 78 points if we win them all. <laughs> yeah, and Fulham and everyone else will lose every single game. <laughs> Yeah, and I might be able to go and get Angelina Jolie, mate, but I've got a feeling it ain't going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, do you want my team now, Daniel? Go on, then. Go on. <laughs> Subject me to it. Go on. Okay, so we all know he's going to play five. Uh, like, I'm going, actually, no, I'm going to go for the four-two-three-one. So uh, I'm bringing Wilmot back in. So it's going to be Wilmot, Jagielka, Howard Ballas and Tymon. Joe Bursic goes back in goal because he, he's better. Uh, <laughs> then I'm moving players around. Um, so, yeah, actually, Allen and Sawyers are going to be the two more kind of holding kind of midfielders. And I'm putting Baker in Powell's position because Baker clearly knows where the net is. Um, he's got a bit of a pass on him. He can control midfield. So for me, Baker goes in front of Maja, who's up front. And I'm putting Bedes and Brown on each wing. Campbell gets dropped. I'll get dropped. He hasn't played. <laughs> he wasn't in the well, team stays on the bench. Okay, let's say he drops to the bench then and stays there <laughs> and doesn't get out for the rest of the season. I'm not sure. Um, but no, yeah, he's Campbell's disappointed me. I know he's coming back. Um, so for me, you can't drop Brown. He's still a workhorse. He's still our top goal scorer with, I think, nine goals now. Not for long um, with Baker at this rate. Yeah, not for long. And Mazur, I still think, has not seen the ball enough because of how we've been playing. So, yeah, I think I think, I think think Baker playing that further for, further roll forward with Sawyers behind them and Allen, I think that could be a nice little combo. Yeah, I think the key, for me, the key is how we play. And I think it's we need to be on the front foot. We need to, like I said, I go with the same 4-2-3-1. Um, similar to yourself, basic in goal, Wilmot, uh, Jagielka, Howard, Bally's timing. Uh, keep Baker an hour, and I think Baker, where he's currently playing, he like you know, he's getting the ball in the right areas for him, and he's sort of picking up. He's got a little bit of space there. I think if you push him further forward, we sort of possibly take him out of the game. Having said that, I am playing Sawyer's and I'm playing him in the number ten position. And I've got uh, I've got Philogene Bedes on one wing. And I've got Jacob Brown up front, similar to the same as yourself. Uh, but I've just got Ty, I've got Tyrese Campbell on the right. So yeah, Campbell on the right, Phil Jim Bedate on the left, Sawyers as the 10 with Brown up front. Uh, and actually on the bench, I've obviously Barnum, I don't I didn't think we were going for a bench. I know we don't <laughs> use, I know we don't usually, but there's a couple of names on there that I think um so obviously Bonham, I've got Smith. Because I think obviously if there's, if there's an injury, a fullback Smith can come on, and if there's a central half, we can move Wilmot across, so we all cover the defence. But then we've got Vrancic, uh, Magic, Wright Phillips, James Taylor, and Oakley Booth. 
So, yeah, I'm, I think Douglas James Taylor has done enough to at least warrant a, a place on the bench and just to see, you know, get him around the match day squad. Because let's face it, we aren't going up, we aren't going down. So I don't see what harm it would do just to to give him a bit of experience of what a match day is like. I'm not saying he's got to even come on or anything, but it, you know, I think he'll gain a lot from being in and around the match, you know, part of a match day squad. Mm, okay, interesting. Not bad, mate. Andrew, what are you going for? I'm going with the 4-2-3-1, obviously. Michael O'Neill will play the five-back, but nobody really wants the five-back. So, same defence and um, goalkeeper, so Bursic, Wilmot, Jagielka, Howard, Bersin, Timon. I think that picks itself really, doesn't it, at the moment? Yeah. Um, Baker and Allen playing those holding midfielders. That also pretty much picks itself. And then I've gone with Sawyers in the number 10 position. So, same as Dan. I've gone with Campbell on the right, Brown at the top, and I want to see right Phillips play. So I've put him on the left. The only problem I've got with your guy, you guys choosing right Phillips is he's playing in the under-23s tonight. So unless he's going to be playing twice in three or four days, I don't know that's going to happen. He's young. He can run his legs off. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, if, yeah. If he doesn't play, then obviously it's bidets. But well, I want to, to, me, I want to see right Phillips get a start. I've got right Phillips on the bench. It's only Wednesday's played, isn't it? So yeah, it's Thursday, you know, Thursday recover, Friday training, Saturday game, easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think to be honest, I think, uh, with all the negativity and all the, you know, then two games to dissect and go through, I think I think we've we've said enough for this. We can't we? Yeah, you know, we don't want to uh, bang on too long to people. So I think we'll. We'll put the quiz on hold until next week. Uh, do, you, do you reckon, guys? Do you reckon that's a good idea? Yeah, I'd say so. No, yeah, I'll go with two that. quizzes next week. Yeah, and just let us know what the subject is so we can do some research, if that's okay. <laughs> Andy does research on the spot. I've heard, his, I've heard him typing. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> You'd be ashamed of yourself, Andrew. <laughs> well, he's using my government name. <laughs> he's, on your, he's on your team. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. We're going to get three points this week. We're going to have a much brighter pod. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all That's all I'm going to say. Michael O'Neill in. Michael O'Neill in. Michael O'Neill in and, in and out. <laughs> <laughs> Shake's all about. Yeah. All right, mate. Take care. See you a bit. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.